0: Greetings in the Lord Jesus. Good to see you all here today. Good song, too, especially to follow on talking about hearing. We heard, and then we had a testimony. All right. I want to talk today about relating to people in our community. This is actually a uh, talk that I was asked to give to uh, Beachy, ministers meeting in Virginia oh about a year ago they were interested in, in something to help them and their congregations relate to their communities and I guess they assumed because we moved out of the Mennonite community and up here 20 couple years ago I would have something to say which well anyway maybe we'll talk about that And so we want to talk about us, how to go about presenting the gospel, put that in quotes if you want, by our lives. And to do that, we need to think about how people see us. So I want to talk about that a little bit. What do people see when they see us? How do, do they see the gospel in us? Do they see the Lord Jesus? And... Sometimes we say we are what we think. Is that true? Somewhat, because the things we think form what comes out of our mouth. It forms our actions, too. Sometimes we say we are what we think we are. Is that true? Well, no, it's not. (laughs) Pretty often it's not, because sometimes we think we are something and we're not just what we think, at least not in other people's view. What about we are what others think we are? Well, sometimes that's more true than we like to think. In fact, what they think we are, we makes a difference. What they think we are is what we are to them as far as they're concerned. And sometimes what other people see in us, you going to quit playing with that thing pretty soon? <laughs> okay. Sometimes what, what they think we are is more true about us than what we think we are. And so I am responsible for what others think of me. Now, sometimes we say, I don't care what others think. Well, yes, we do need to have some concern about what others think of us. It's not a bad thing uh, in the right way. So, talking about we as Christians relating to people in our communities, love is the key. You have to start at square one. This is the greatest commandment. You love the Lord your God with all your heart. You love your brother and yourself. If we can get a hold of those two commandments and make them key in our lives, we'll have a foundation for shining the gospel out into our communities and yes I know we're Christians, we're Mennonites, we are doing that and we live that way right? Well yes but we tend to fall into our ruts and we tend to sort of even have our practices that the things we do and we just do them because we do them and we forget that unless they are motivated by love for God, love for others, unless that's the the reason we're doing this, they're nothing. They're not helpful. And we have problems. We, as a Straussberg congregation, the people in it have problems. I do. You do. Let's go to James chapter 3. And just read a few verses, James chapter 3 and on into chapter 4. Familiar verses, at least they should be. I'll start in at verse 13 in James 3. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. And don't forget, James is writing to Christian people. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. (coughs) You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith God resists the proud that gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Be afflicted, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. (coughs) Do we have those kind of problems in our hearts here at Strasbourg? Envying and strife? Asking amiss to consume it on our own pleasures? Wars and fightings? dirty hands impure hearts double-minded he's writing to christians don't forget and so before i get into some of the everyday details i want to emphasize to us that we need to be humble we need to be real we need to recognize that we that i and you are real human beings with real problems the same kind of problems work through that people out there that don't know the Lord have too we're not any better than they we are just as sinful just as problematic without the Lord Jesus we need the Lord's help especially to live together in the kingdom of God in a way that honors him which is what it's all about the difference the difference is we have grace. We have God's grace to help us. We have we have the answer. We can take God's way by grace. And as we do that, God can help us to live in such a way that makes us a showcase to the world of what God can do in a fallible, sinful human being, and somebody who needs a lot of help. In <laughs> a group of people that needs a lot of help. God can help us to relate in a way that honors him and make us a showcase for the world to look at a showcase for the spiritual world to see too and maybe we'll just read in Ephesians a couple of verses Ephesians 2 I'm just going to break into a sentence here in verse seven, he says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Ages to come? <laughs> well, we're in one of those ages to come already. We're two thousand years after Paul. You go over to chapter three, verses nine and ten, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which is the beginning of which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden in Christ in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent for the purpose that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Verse 21 of that chapter. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. God gets glory when you and I, each of us, lives in recognition of our desperate need of him and and get what we need from him and live daily as recipients of his grace together when we constantly trust the Lord Jesus for what we need and so yes to, to shine our light out into the community we have to be humble people, humble individuals, humble as a congregation we have to remember that we are being saved Yes, we got saved maybe on such and such a day or whatever, but we are being saved. We are heading toward salvation yet, too, living in it. And so we run together. We haven't reached the finish line yet. We're helping and encouraging each other. We don't stump somebody down, push them back. We encourage and help onward. We don't break the bruised reed or quench the smoking flax in the church or outside of it. Okay, and so if our congregation is anything like it should be, occasionally we're going to have people telling us, you know what, you all have the truth, you've got it right, I can see it. This really is the Bible way. I'm so glad I found you. And that happens occasionally. And that feels good to us. But uh, my practice has been to tell those people we're not perfect. You need to know that. We're imperfect human beings just like you. Yes, we have a goal to live holy lives, to love. But sooner or later, one of us is going to hurt you. Somebody's going to gossip about you. Somebody's going to do something that Shows you that we're human. And you're going to have to deal with it. It happens. It will happen. Because here we are. Every single one of us is human. And we all do our mistakes sometimes. The challenge. Is then. To respond correctly when that happens. Well for them it's their challenge. But it's ours too. Because uh, if we're the one that messes up we have a part too so be humble every congregation has dysfunctional members including Strasburg I think our membership right now is 44 do you know how many dysfunctional members we have at Strasburg 44 You don't have problems. You don't mess up. You don't struggle with the wrong attitudes. You never get a little sharp with your spouse or your son or your sister or anyone like that. Hmm. See? We have five ordained brethren in our membership here. You know how many of them have made mistakes in their (laughs) work as leaders? Well, yes, you know, every single one of them. Be humble. The congregation's attitude about itself and each of our attitude about ourselves is important. It's very important. We definitely do have something to offer the world if if we're truly living for Christ and if we are constantly receiving from Christ what we need, we have something we can offer them. But if we get proud, if we get smug, people can soon catch on. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And he invites people, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And somehow that invitation that we are extending to is best received from people whose lives show that they need that same binding, that same healing, and that they are actively receiving it. That they're even now going to the Lord Jesus. All right. I'd like to talk about just practical things, about relating to the community around us. Some of these come from our experience. Some of these come from our experience or your experiences. Some of them I tried to... uh, Disguise a little bit so you wouldn't recognize, but the others you will recognize. Just some examples and things. We're going to talk about reaching out. We want to talk about those who attend church, those who are moving toward membership, and some general things. So, talking about reaching out in the community is organized visiting in the community a good idea? It may be. I don't know if we've actually done it here at Stralesburg where several of us get together and we say we're going to visit this family and that family and we're just just go out and knock on doors, it's pretty difficult and, but, and not as useful as some things. I do, I could give you a couple examples. I remember a good many years ago and uh, it was probably Aaron and Dan just decided they were going to walk down the street and talk to anybody they met and they did. I think that was profitable. Not sure which street it was anymore. Uh, that's Dan Byler in this case. Um, how many of you remember when Victor Ovalle was here? Okay, it's been seven years or so, probably. I don't know, but he had a Bible conference for us and stayed with us. And uh, one day he said, "I'm going to go downtown a little bit," and so he went downtown and. He met a few people, and, well, Victor's Victor. Uh, We heard about it from the one lady later, and, and she was impressed. I mean, he just started talking to her about her spiritual life and probably was good for her. Good thing to do. Invite people to church, good thing to do. Invite the plumber, the neighbors, the hitchhikers. I know at Raleigh Springs somebody pitched up a, picked up a hitchhiker one week during revivals and that night he uh, went forward at the or stood up at least in the, during the sermon and, and gave the church problems for ten years afterwards or more. But anyway, oh, okay, that is another thing. Not everybody that you invite to church is easy to deal with or that comes. It was an exceptional case. But anyway... Invite people to services. One sister kept inviting a couple and kept inviting them, and then finally they came. They eventually joined, but maybe they came just to get her off their back. I'm not sure. Uh, she just kept on. But out a gospel sign. Well, we, 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 we did that soon after we moved. And Nathan still has it up out there. Or, I mean, a version of it. It changes every now and then, supposedly. And people... Some people appreciated it. We got comments about it. One man stopped and gave me $100 for whoever it was that sponsored it. So I got it back to where it belonged. And another one stopped and said, that sign you all keep out there, that's good for the community. Surprised us he wasn't particularly a godly man. Be ready. Be ready always to give an answer for the hope that lieth within you. Be ready, sisters. that why you wear that white thing on your head I hear that happened to someone here not too long ago a young sister and I think she did all right. but you should know why you do what you do and be ready to say I always say some more about things like that people who attend church you invite them and they do come they're strangers or you might want to go sit with them help them through the service I mean, you know, they come to church, and uh, after the devotional, the devotional leader says, Let's pray. And all of a sudden, everybody's getting up and turning around, and what in the world is going on here? They don't know sometimes. So, you could be helpful (laughs) to save them some embarrassment. Might be good if the devotional leader says, Let's kneel for prayer and stay, (laughs) then they they know at least what's happening. Those kind of things. Of course, some people might prefer you not sit with them so be sensitive realize that people do not really understand us and why we do what we do much of what we take for granted is strange to people we've lived with it so long that uh, we don't think twice uh, the sister that went to a conservative church well she wasn't i I don't know if she was a Christian then or not but anyway She walked in and looked around and thought, ooh, this must be an awfully poor congregation. They don't even have any musical instruments. No piano, no organ, nothing. We wouldn't have thought a thing of it. Or weird, they kiss each other. Or, ooh, they've all got dresses on. (laughs) And I'm not dressed properly. Or, oh. My tie's starting to feel a little tight when you walk in and see no ties or those kind of things. Why do the men and women sit separately? Is it okay? Can I sit with my wife? Those kind of things. We can help them through that. Don't even assume they understand what you tell them when you tell them. You know what you mean. (laughs) They might not have. I mean, it's just the way it is. Sometimes we use jargon, sometimes we say what we mean, but we know well enough what we mean that we didn't communicate clearly and it's it's okay. Don't assume, don't assume anything maybe. Man comes in with long hair. Don't assume he's going the wrong way. Yeah, I know that used to be especially a sign of rebellion in my day. Or maybe he's a handlebar mustache and And then you find out, oh, he's a Civil War reenactor. Well, we know who that is. Some of you do. Uh, Maybe you don't. He's a preacher in another congregation now. But, uh, you know, you look at those kind of people, and and we would tend to think, not much chance there. We don't know anything like that. Don't assume it. Maybe he's tattooed all over. Maybe he's an army officer. Doesn't matter shouldn't matter in how we relate to them. You cannot just by seeing someone know the direction they're going. And not even sometimes after you've talked to them. And don't let their incongruencies or however you say that word, their uh, idiosyncrasies or whatever turn you off. Uh, I remember a lady who walked into CLP one day and Probably Rachel called me out to talk to her because she had some questions or something, or maybe I was just out there. No, she was from Strasburg area and Rachel called me out, so I talked to her and she had on sort of a skimpy sundress and, and a mannish looking haircut and, and she said is this like EMU over there? He said, I went over there and, and well they don't have any separation at all. And I'm looking at her and thinking, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But anyway, we talked, and she was looking for real Mennonites, not for that kind. It was was interesting. And they did attend church here a little while, too, a couple times. Somebody comes, and, well, they're dressing plain, but they're wearing hot pink tennis shoes. What, don't they know better? Well, you see, worse than that, they are done. Of course they don't know better. You didn't know everything at the beginning, either. And sometimes they criticize us. Us, mind you. Hmm. Well, there's often something we could learn from criticisms, so uh, let's learn them. Well, thinking about people that are moving toward membership, moving toward the Mennonites, we could say don't hurry them, things take time. Think about, uh, well, Jeff Messenger and his non resistance. It takes time to work through that. But the Lord's, the Lord's able to deal with that. Somebody wants to do what's right, the Lord can handle those things. Uh, I remember many years ago John Risser saying something and I can't quote him but the idea was okay you take someone who's grown up in a a God and country church where they've been taught all their life that it's your Christian duty to go out and fight for your country you don't just tell them hey that's sin It, it takes I mean okay their conscience would tell them it's the right thing to do it's more than just telling them it's it's not what you think. It takes some time to get that turned around, even in their own minds and and yes, in their own conscience, so you need to be a little careful. Same is true of things like the wedding ring that can come hard for somebody to put off. I mean, that is important in this world. It's the thing that joins us together, and and that's emphasized, especially in some churches. And so there again, you're dealing with some... You could almost call them conscience issues, where they need to re- reteach their conscience before they're ready to just do that. New members bring problems. And I'll hasten to say, every member brings problems. <coughs> okay. And sometimes. Okay, I was talking to leaders, especially there, and so I said sometimes we leaders might flinch or draw back from new problems. What I'll say right up front—that's pessimistic. New members bring blessings. All of us bring blessings to the congregation. There's more opportunities to to live together in Christ. More opportunities to submit to each other. To to bring the grace of Christ into our lives and to live it out together so that view is pessimistic I'll just say that right up front Well, so you say what kind of problems well okay you might bring somebody in who hasn't learned to control his temper yet uh, I probably would have been in that category once upon a time sometimes there's abusive situations that you have to work through sometimes there's no self-discipline. They weren't ever taught to discipline themselves and so they have to kind of start from scratch where most of us were taught a little better discipline if we grew up in a Christian home. There's language problems where they're used to saying all kinds of words that we don't say and have to unlearn them. Well, there's those people who's, who don't have children. Uh-huh. They have doggies for children and those kinds of things. And they have to learn too. So, uh, there's all, This world has all kinds of things that, that new members might just bring in with them and we have to work our way through them and deal with them. And that's all part of brotherhood. Keep in mind that not everybody needs to know everything about the newcomers who are coming in and their problems even openness is good and we're all interested in each other's lives especially newcomers but hey be careful Mennonite the Mennonite game and liking to know stuff might look like gossiping to someone else sometimes or something similar don't be surprised at people's lack of knowledge who are coming from other settings so we had a sister come here from a Catholic or who had grown up Catholic knew almost none of those Bible stories that we all all the rest of us know well same is true of a Protestant that uh, we I could name you her parents didn't read Bible stories doesn't know those things Sunday school wasn't quite like Sunday school as we knew it even and so you're left without some Bible knowledge that's not to be surprised at don't be horrified at people's flubs don't be terribly surprised if some new brother says Jiminy Crickets well that's or some other J.C. combination that's just better left not said. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't have said it, but it is good to think about those things because while some people don't use Jesus Christ as a swear word, they do use some others that when you stop to think, you realize they got close. Or a burst of anger or the woman who acts out of place Toward her husband, or the husband who's not as kind to his wife as he ought to be. We don't have any kind of problems like that, right? Ourselves. Deal gently with new members. They don't always know what we know. There may have been things they missed, and if they did, well, there's right ways and wrong ways to go about helping them. You can know that there will be struggles. You can know that there will even be back steps, setbacks, call it whatever you want. You had them. In fact, you still have them now and then. Especially starting out, it just happens. It's the way it is. I recently got to thinking about when I was a young Christian and the, and the pressures some of the pressures i faced and and yeah you don't just automatically win every battle <coughs> and i can remember many times over the years when someone started out making a commitment a new commitment or a recommitment or something like that to the Lord, it seemed like <laughs> life hits them with a test. And I've often thought about that Lord, why do you let it come so soon? Well, the tests are going to come. The devil's going to get active when we get active. And we all will be tested. We all are tested. We all are tested pretty much all the time in one way or another. So you have new members coming in. Make them equals. Make them equals with yourself. Treat them as equal. Don't let those, quote, Mennonite things get in the way. You don't have to know how to garden. You don't have to know how to sew. You don't have to know how to teach a Sunday school class. You don't have to know your Bibles well to be a good Christian, a good Mennonite Christian even. And so let's just banish that business that... You know, Mennonites do this and this and this, and some people coming in have to deal with that, too. Not a big deal. Those are not part of the Christian life. You can be Christians without that. I hope so, anyway, because we don't do well at gardening anymore. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Recognize their sacrifice. Pretty often they know the reality of Jesus' teaching more than we do when he said, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five and one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her her mother-in-law. Most of us that grew up in a Christian home, a Mennonite home, don't face opposition from family. Some of those that become Christians later or join the Mennonites later do. They get accused of being part of a cult. Their parents, their grandparents, their husband, <laughs> their wife, their children even sometimes, their married siblings don't understand and accuse them of all kinds of things. And And the relationships get tense. So recognize that they're making a sacrifice. For them, forsake all means something it didn't mean for a lot of us. And then be their family when that happens. They need family. And it's our job to provide that. All right, some general things just about living in the community. We all live there, or in a community. Be courteous. You men, be gentlemen to everyone, in the the good sense of being a gentleman. Ladies, be gracious to everyone. Uh, Peter says, be courteous. That's a command. All right, be real. And Remember Ellen Royster saying uh, when she was, when they were first coming toward the church, got to know uh, Rosie Slayball. She said, I went to her house multiple times during the day. I wanted to see what she was like during the day. I wanted to see her with her hair down, see if this was real. Well, people would want to know that. Relate to your neighbors. Visit them if it's appropriate to. (laughs) Who knows what's appropriate during COVID? But anyway, give them garden produce. A basket of peaches gets blamed for Ronnie's coming to the church many years ago where Nathan Good's father brought them a basket of peaches one day. I forget his name, Ira. Visit with them. Go across the street and talk to them. Let them know you're interested in them. Ask about their lives. Remember what they tell you. My wife does good at that. Uh, Better than I do. Don't be snoopy. (laughs) Just be interested. Be (laughs) talkative. Well, that is, ask questions, show interest, listen to them. And yeah I don't do a real good job of talking all the time but hey if you're a good listener they'll think you're a good conversationalist so go ahead and listen. Be humble. We can learn from them. We don't have all the answers. That's their advice. So uh, maybe maybe he is living unmarried with some girl but he knows a lot about transmissions and you need some transmission help well ask him show an interest treat him like a human being sometimes we are guilty of thinking that because they're living in sin we can't relate to them or whatever that's not true visit the elderly in their homes There again, we're under COVID now. Most of them love to have children around, and if they don't, we'll honor that too. Visit the elderly in nursing homes. Well, we can't do that right now either, but cultivate friendships with them. And you say, well, that's sort of a dead end street. They won't become church members. Well, that's a wrong attitude. That's not the point. (laughs) When I was sick, you visited me, Jesus said, and I suppose it could apply to elderly too. Visit, well, visit them when they're in the hospital. Pray with them. There again, we're under COVID, so some of this, you'll just have to wait. (coughs) Okay. Recognize that people may not know anything at all about what you believe. Are you Christian or what? You ever been asked that? Well, some of us have. (laughs) Why do you dress that way? Are you Amish? Do you just dress that way so you can sell your baked goods? <laughs> Some of us have faced that one, I hear. They don't know. They're just asking. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't let it offend you. Just answer them. Never make problems. <laughs> now, sometimes problems happen, but don't make them. Follow the golden rule. One of our mem- members moved into a new house, and the neighbor told them, Well, I didn't get along very well with those last people that lived here. And, you know, they soon understood that maybe there was a reason for that, but still they tried to do their part to get along. You have to do that. Fix the problems you make. Nathan has told us about the time he was mowing and the mower sent out little rocks and things and burke holes in the siding in the neighbor's house and, and so uh, he had to hire Byron to come fix it and fix it. Maybe he didn't tell about Byron fixing it, but he did. You break it? It's theirs, you fix it, or better, replace it, do better, go the second mile, add to it, whatever. Because if someone gets upset, it's well worth it to go way beyond fair to soothe the situation. You can even fix the problems you didn't make. What's money anyway (laughs) when it comes to relationships? Which is more important? don't be greedy always give full measure press down shaken together leave a good taste to those people that do business with you not a sour one don't be a scrooge be frugal toward yourself but don't be stingy toward others is kind of a rule of thumb I have Yeah, it's okay to skimp for yourself, but if you're giving to someone else, do it right. Don't become known as somebody that has to have bottom dollar. And my wife has taught me if you go into the grocery store and there's, you know, the meat's marked down extra low today, don't go out of there with a grocery cart full of meat only what are you telling people about yourself so yesterday the meat was uh, they had a manager's special on some that was supposed to be sold that day I left some but I took some too I didn't want to I think about that she's taught me well don't come across as someone that's always out to get the super best deal be fair (laughs) to others and more than fair all right, don't be partial. Dictionary defines partial as inclined to favor one party more than the other. Esteem all as equally worthwhile, whatever they are, whether they're dressed good, whether they smell good, or whether they don't, whether whatever stage of life or uh, state of life they're in. Partiality is only the outward symptom. It's It's a matter of judgment. I'm judging this person worth more than that person or something like that? Don't do that. When you go out, be friendly. Make eye contact, nod, smile. Maybe even more important, when you have a mask over your face these days, say good morning. You're a shy person. Well, try to do it anyway. Look pleasant. Uh, We've talked about it in our house sometimes. uh, One person thinks they're shy, but somebody else uh, thought they were stuck up because they wouldn't talk. And so again, we are responsible for how we come across. Don't be in such a hurry. (laughs) The Walmart cashier asked my wife one time, why is it that Mennonite women are always in such a hurry? We mean, or at least for me and some others, I know, well, we go to the store, we've got stuff we want to get, and we're going in, and we're going to get it, and we're going to get on our way and keep it going. But be approachable. You're shopping, someone's looking at you, and you think, hey, that's a that's a Mennonite. I'd like to ask him a question. And Oh, well, he looks busy, too busy for me. I'm not going to bother. So don't. I, I think I tend to do this at least for I'm going to wound up like a spring. I got to keep moving and get, get where I'm going. Well, be approachable. Think about how you come across to others. Slow down, make sure you look pleasant. <laughs> Take the initiative to meet people's eyes and be pleasant. Be helpful. Make your lifestyle, uh, make, it, make it your lifestyle to help others. So, give those rides to your elderly neighbor. Do those things that need to be done. Give her the insulin shots that she needs so her family doesn't have to come out and do it. Run to the pharmacy for her medicines if you need to. Just be watching for opportunities to help people and go ahead and do it. Care about people. Care about them enough to alter your schedule and do something for them. Be a servant have that what-can-I-do-for-you attitude in life. I thought about it. I remember growing up, a number of funerals that came along, and and the thing that impressed me was the way neighbors and others responded when there's a death in the family. They would come to the door and they'd say, is there anything I can do, let me know. And that was pretty standard. Even among non-Mennonites, I think it's probably still that way. When someone dies, you don't beat around the bush and think i got things to do. You do what needs to be done to help. Well, just live that way. Make it a lifestyle. Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? Be an encourager. Compliment and commend people when you can. Follow the golden rule. So what if he does have bright green hair and steel gadgets sticking out of his cheek? If he bags your groceries, tell him thank you. We're all made of the same stuff. We need to recognize that and know that. Sometimes we forget. We are no better than anyone else. I need Jesus just as much as that person that's obviously doesn't have him. They have real struggles and hurts, just as we do. Some of theirs might be because of sinful actions. I mean, maybe he is dying of AIDS because of his lifestyle. Maybe he's got cirrhosis of the liver because he drank it himself half to death. But the pain he feels is just as real as the pain you feel, and you can sympathize with that. Show people you care. The old quote says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And maybe they don't care that you know the Lord until they find out it's made a difference and you care for them. Be biblical. Know why you do the things you do. As a Christian, it's not just culture. Be ready to give an answer. I said that already. Be opportunistic. Watch for opportunities, make opportunities to help, to speak a word for the Lord Jesus, to encourage, to do good, to spread some good seed. And so let's finish with Ecclesiastes 11. A few verses. I like these verses. (coughs) I'll just read them for you. Cast thy bread upon the waters... I like that picture. Just cast them out there. For thou shalt find it again. Thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. You look at that person and, well, he doesn't look very open. Don't let that stop you. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit or how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. You don't know what your efforts might bring. And verse 6, yet in the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Or sometimes maybe they both shall neither one of them bring forth anything, but scatter anyway. All right. Let's have a song.